Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty. We are waiting to hear back from Danny Carter's lawyers. So today I'll be joined by Kyle Dvorak and Lawrence Jackson. We'll be taking a brief spin through the latest NFL news. We're, we're talking brief. <laughs> not really anything going on. <laughs> Before debating what might be some underrated rosters and some thin skill cores heading into the 2022 season. But first, Kyle, I want to ask you about a, a Twitter post that you had Tuesday morning that I thought was very brave. Um, it was eight habits of people who oh. have built generational wealth via passive income. And, you know, this can be applied to so many different things, you know, how to be successful in business, how to build passive income, how to earn your father's love, et cetera. And I just want to tell you, what are some of your tips for people looking to build generational wealth via passive income? There was one I thought was very interesting, the second to last bullet point. I don't remember what order they go in, but there's some pretty, I think, novel ones that people don't talk about is have rich parents, have a rich dad. If you have a dad who's super wealthy, it is one of the easiest. You're not grinding if you don't have a wealthy dad. No, exactly. Yeah, I think that's what's important is you have to win that lottery at life to start grinding. And then have a dad that could beat up your friend's dads. Like that to me was also pretty important. Just sizing up the fathers and thinking if stuff went down, I'd like my dad to be, be able to beat up your dad. Hydrate before doing any sort of, uh, you know, hard drugs. You definitely want to make sure if you're, you know, inebriated in any way, you got to make those hydration levels stay high. Uh, what was the one you you stuck out, stuck out to you the most? Learn how to read. Yeah, I haven't done that one yet, so I can't attest to it. But <laughs> something like, I think one, another, maybe I could have thrown this one in because there's only seven habits, I think is listen to smart people. And most of the smart people I know, uh, know how to read. So I think that's something that I'll be working on. But I listen to so many podcasts and like, I'm, you know, I have Denny like does a, not read. Yeah, no, that's maybe kind of a leak in most of the uh, NBC Edge staff is I don't, what are we batting? Like two of, you know, let's say we have like 10 or so. You and Crane got to read week 17 schedules. <laughs> And I think that's about it. <laughs> They're just like written in like hand signs, like people just like making <laughs> motions to signal Broncos versus Chiefs. I'm like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, so Kyle's post, if you haven't seen it, is I think it's referencing the endless deluge of inspirational threads on fantasy football Twitter this summer. And can't say it's been the most appealing trend. Um, and I also can't say it seems anywhere close to going away. And so we will be reading your threads, all some of your 69 point threads on how to be successful and have rich dads. But uh, first, I guess we just get into the news. I said there was news. There's two news items, kind of three. We combined two of them, but pro football talk and NBC's Mike Florio, excuse me, reported Thursday that Saints running back Alvin Kamara is bracing for a six game suspension stemming from his winter arrest on assault charges in Las Vegas, as one does. Uh, although Florio reports it's unclear when the ban might actually be enacted, this certainly clouds Kamara's 2022 outlook. Kyle, how concerned should fantasy managers be? Should we even be concerned? And, you know, this does play into other Kamara concerns. You know, the new offense uh, is really bad 2021. Does this change anything for Alvin Kamara and like trying to determine his value in summer drafts? I hope you were listening to the uh, Thursday show. I believe it was last Thursday. Because Karain was talking about this, and I hadn't even thought of this. I just told him I wasn't really getting to a lot of Kamara because I wasn't sure how the new offense, like, 
the old offense was designed perfectly for him to be a top five running back. I'm not exactly sure that's what the new offense is going to be. It shouldn't be a drastic philosophical change. I think more so the offense is changed by Jameis Winston and him not wanting to throw the types of throws that we love for Alvin Kamara and them just running the ball with Kamara more, which for most running backs is good for him is kind of the exception. Just give me the passes. That's all. That's all you want. Just give me the passes. But then he brought up the fact that we could still be facing the suspension. It's not something I brought up in any of my, you know, indictments, my, my negative comments on Kamara. And within, it was like three hours later, we got this drop. That isn't the official announcement of the suspension, but it, it further codifies what we thought was a possibility. And uh, what was it, like six games, right? That is, uh, that's not just your like. No joke. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's an ADP mover. Yeah, exactly. The one or two game, your first time getting popped for PEDs. It probably doesn't change the complexion of your ADP that much, right? This is not that. This is much more. So, yeah, I don't think the market will correct enough for this. But that's also a factor of me having not been the most interested in him to begin with where his ADP was. And I'll be getting, I know they could bring in, they probably should bring in a free agent, but I'm still going to be taking a lot of Mark Ingram. They just give anybody off of the street so many touches whenever Alvin Kamara is out. They're like, the Alvin Kamara role is good, right? But what if we merge that and the backup role into one super role? Because over the past three years, I think it's about seven games we've seen without Alvin Kamara. Not a huge sample, but it's kind of obvious how they want to play it. The Saints' top running back by carries in non-Kamara games has averaged 17.4 carries and an astonishing 6.2 targets per game. Like Those are Alvin Kamara numbers for guys who are not particularly good. Like Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram, Tony Jones, Ty Montgomery. They all have like certain decent skill sets, but they don't all put it all together like Kamara does. And the Saints staff just doesn't care. Like ah, this week he is Alvin Kamara. So for now, it, I don't think we've seen this like shock in Mark Ingram's ADP that we should have. And maybe that's the fear of a free agent coming in. And the caveat with those stats is that they're mid season or late in the season it's probably less likely that you bring in a free agent running back and just throw him to the wolves right away. Whereas you can kind of do that right now because you're not throwing him to the wolves. You get a training camp's worth of uh, of reps. But they really do like Mark Ingram. They have consistently used him as the, the foil to Alvin Kamara. So I think he steps into at least the 1A role anytime we don't have Alvin Kamara. And he could just be 1A plus 1B, which is just nuts for even three, four, five games the suspension gets appealed down, right? It is so worth it at his ADP. Lawrence... What I I don't even know what to think about Kamara because Kyle made a bunch of interesting points. The offense probably won't really even change that much. I mean, Sean Payton's gone, but like all of his like acolytes are still there. How did you feel about Kamara before this even happened? And it's also weird too. Like they didn't do anything. It was a really bad backfield behind Alvin Kamara last year, and they did very little to like upgrade it this offseason. I mean, kind of like the upside option seems to be an undrafted rookie, Abram Smith, and. Yeah, just what are your thoughts on the Saints backfield? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, before this, you mean before the tweet happened or before? I mean, before, I mean, that I, and I mean, after. I mean, clearly, we know after it, we're more concerned. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, well, for one, I think Mark Ingram ADP ain't changed that much because it, it hasn't really hit yet. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like the day that that whatever suspension you get, if he get one, that's when you'll start to see uh, Mark Ingram ADP moving uh not a little bit, but probably a lot. Uh, six games is a big chunk of the fantasy season. I did thought, I thought that when when that pro football talk tweet came out, I thought Kamara had quote tweeted it and it was like, that's cap. But I was looking for the tweet. And I ain't see it. So either it didn't happen or he deleted it. Well, he didn't he didn't quote tweet it. He only replied. He only 
Okay. So he wasn't say, that oh. confident. And, you know, if he was wasn't really, it something of the nature of like, I haven't heard of this yet or whatever. This is he news asked to me. Mike type Florio, of he said, can you tell us when Jesus gun uh, returned to earth? As in like, oh, he doesn't right, okay, know. Yeah, yeah, as in if he doesn't know. Yeah. As in, you don't know this. It was something that said like, hey, Joe, hold your horses real quick. It, yeah. You know, that that's really all we could do is uh you know fans and fantasy football managers you know if if there's you know if there's no suspension then you know he going to be a typical RB1 regardless uh that's how he's going to get drafted probably you know in the second round now though because of the you know elite wide receivers that we have going in the first round but he'll still uh you know he'll be drafted to be in, in most cases, you're running back one. Should there be no suspension? Now, like y'all just said, six games, that's an ADP mover right there. That, like, couple of rounds worth. It, at that point, you pretty much, like, looking at the other people in your draft, like, who going to take them? Am I going to yeah, take well, he's, Let me ask you, he's the RB12 right now in underdog, which we know is the more obsessive, like, plugged-in group of drafters. He probably has a higher ADP. Right. Like the more casual services, would you take him right right now as the RB twelve, Lawrence? I mean, I know context is all ma- matters yeah. and all that, but RB twelve, how does that strike you with Alvin Kamara right now? Yeah, I, with, with no suspension, I'm taking that all day. But like the saying with the uncertainty, so oh, what, what, it's like say yeah, you're in a draft with, with right the now. Uncertainty. Yeah, I I'll say this: the year that Le'Veon Bell got suspended for three games. I still took him number nine overall, but that's three games. That's a that's that's a big difference there. So I I probably not. Nah, not not twelve. Are you comfortable with him as the RB twelve, Kyle? No. Yeah, no, nah, I'm well, not either. <laughs> I mean, it's because it's not just the suspension. It's just everything. And he was, as Kyle referenced, the way he like didn't hold up very well in like bigger workloads last year, and that might have been because opposing defenses had to have like no respect for the Saints' passing game. So that did, he got kind of overextended in a way we don't normally see him, but he's getting near that age. He's getting near that workload history where those like begins to take a toll. I mean, three point seven yards per carry last year. I mean, very context dependent stat, of course. Still averaged over nine yards per catch, which is kind of more the bread and butter number for him. But I don't know. I, I with, with even if it was like a three or four game suspension, I think I, I don't think I would even be considering him as the RB twelve right now. And then I'm definitely in like, let someone else take him territory. Especially because it's such a weird, if you get Kamara, it's not like you, I don't feel like you can like meaningly handcuff or meaningly draft an insurance back for Kamara. Cause I mean, I really don't think they would just like set and forget Mark Ingram. I mean, I, they, I, like Kyle said, they love Mark Ingram, but this is like a really, really bad backup running back situation in New Orleans. Like Tony Jones was just like a total flop. I mean, Abram Smith I mean, might not even make the roster. And I just, this is not a great situation. I had, I had like mid-high hopes for Tony Jones Jr. last season. Dude, the Tony Jones hype was such a fun time. It was. You know, obviously, it was it was when, it, when we got the payoff was nothing. It didn't happen. It almost <laughs> didn't exist. But the hype around it was very fun and very exciting. Yeah, we'll never forget that. Just like we'll never forget the athletics, Mark Caboli. Sorry, Mark, I can't ever pronounce this guy's last name. He reported that Kenny Pickett worked, quote, exclusively with the third string offense and OTAs and minicamp. While also multiple reports out of Titans camp, the third rounder Malik Willis entrenched with the third string. 
Lawrence, we'll get to Malik Willis in a minute. It's a little bit different situation. He's a day two pick, but with Kenny Pickett, do we really buy that the young lad might be beginning the year behind Mitchell Trubisky, or is this all this kind of classic, like rookie, like fun and games with the depth chart before anything matters from the Steelers? Well, if they would have said, you know, he'd been working exclusively with the second team, then I'd be like, all right, he probably going to start week one. But, you know, he just recently signed his contract like two minutes ago and been running with the threes. That say some. But then at the same time, I always say you, you got to get these guys in, in training camp. And, and that's where, you know, get them playing some preseason games. And that's the thick you know, fantasy draft season. And we know that whichever one of the quarterbacks start week one in the first part of the season, that will affect the receivers on the Steelers. So to hear them say that, you know, he's work, he running with the threes right now. It's like, you're not counting it out that he going to start week one, but you would have rather had him say he running with the backups rather than third string. That's scout team guys. When you get into the season, the third stringers, they running your scout team, and you don't want to be there. But like I say, still June, well, almost July now, but you be more comfortable knowing he running with the backup. So we're going to see. Well, that is an interesting point, too, because it's not like – so the, the reps that actually matter are training camp and the preseason, of course, but it's not like these reps don't matter at all. And like you said, with the third string – you're not getting quality reps. You're just getting like, this is how the NFL works reps. Who do you're you not... think he was throwing to? Yeah, Can exactly. you name like the ninth receiver on this team? Yeah. I certainly can't. So, I mean, Kyle, what do you think? I mean, are we entering a world where Mitch Trubisky is going to start week one? Or I could still just seeing this being like a Mike Tomlin, like Hardo moment though. Um, what, what do you think? I think the Mike Tomlin Hardo moments will carry on for like two actual NFL weeks, uh, like two weeks of the season. And then he'll see Mitch Trubisky play. And I don't think Trubisky is terrible, right? We saw a peak of Trubisky like three or four years ago where he looked good. He was schemed well and things worked out. And then that fell off a cliff and we kind of figured out who he was and he's not that good. But I don't think he's like Sam Darnold, where I think if Sam Darnold gets into training camp and looks like Sam Darnold last year, he could not start week one. That is on the table. I'm, I'm mostly and was kind of leaning this way already, but have pretty much convinced myself that weeks one and probably two at a minimum are uh, Trubisky starts, whereas for like really low tier quarterback situations, I can see the the rookie coming in and starting right away. This isn't that dire. It is still to the point where I would project Pickett to play probably well north of a dozen games. But yeah, I don't think, I think if you draft, I don't, you know, unless you're in a super flex league, you're not drafting him. But if you are, you probably not plan on starting him weeks one and two. Yeah, it is where it's like not a rebuilding team. I mean, it kind of, it, it's like a, Rebuild the strong last year. What the Steelers yeah, are doing. Yeah, yeah. They, they they only rebuilding at quarterback. Yeah. So like That's they still have yeah. 2022 aspirations. It is like a real NFL quarterback with a real contract. So I do agree. It's not one of those situations like where you like don't even pay attention. Like, you know, there's some rookie quarterback situations where you like literally don't pay attention to anything the coach says to like September 2nd. 
you know, Gar- I think- like Gardner Minshew last yeah, year, exactly, right? Exactly. Gardner Minshew was even like a passable fringe starter, good backup type of quarterback. Uh, but you were like, I don't care. You spent how much on Trevor Lawrence? This isn't that situation. This is a real worthwhile battle, which I think we all agree that Trubisky enters with a pretty good edge on for the first few weeks. Yeah, darn. I think you talked me into it that, yeah, it is going to be Mitch in week one. And I, I don't know why I said darn. Like, I, I don't think like I have any allegiance whatsoever to Kenny Pickett. Um, I mean, maybe you feel like with Kenny Pickett that, you know, the the that receiving core fare a little better. Maybe that's how you feel. That's how I feel, frankly. Uh, I, I do don't too. think it's a massive difference. It wasn't I some do. stud. There's a reason he fell to where he did. But uh, I think, especially ceiling-wise, we know Trubisky probably doesn't have a great ceiling, and he probably converts a decent amount of his dropbacks into rush attempts. I think more so than Pickett. Pickett's not a zero athlete. But if I had to project one for more rush attempts on dropbacks, it would obviously be Trubisky. And I think I'd project Pickett to be a bit more efficient. So I don't think it is a massive change. You're not like clamoring to get like George Pickens, their third, fourth receiver off the waiver wire the minute Pickett has announced the starter. But like, I'd feel a little better playing like Deontay Johnson and DFS week three if that's the first Pickett start. Do we think we see any Malik Willis snaps this season? We had... Uh, one snaps or starts? Well, snap. I'm saying snaps. We had oh. 104.5 the zones. Buck rising on our AFC South preview on Monday. A uh, lot of really interesting stuff on the Titans. And yeah, he confirmed that. Yeah, it's been strictly the third team. They're basically like rebuilding him from the ground up for the NFL. Like Liberty is one of those offenses where you know, like the whole offense looks to the sideline and like waits for the coach to hold up. Like one picture of Will Ferrell, then like one picture. <laughs> you know, of like Will Forte and like, that's the play somehow. Um, and basically it's talking about like, they're viewing him as like, like a true long-term project. And it's like not a situation where he's like putting heat on Ryan Tannehill this year. And then he's behind Logan Woodside. Do you guys buy that? Or are we not going to see, uh, you know, the great super flex hope Malik Willis in 2022? Uh, I, I buy that more than uh Kenny Pickett. Um, uh... Ryan Tannehill, more established quarterbacks. So I know we still got that last game versus the Bengals on our mind where he threw them three interceptions. Just only two would have been fine, Ryan. Two Only two, yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, yeah, but, you know, Tannehill, more established quarterback. This is another team that was in the playoffs last year, so they pretty much feel like, hey, we reloaded, we getting back to it. The season for the Titans would have to really go south before we see some starts, we'll say starts instead of snap. Before we uh, see I'm saying snaps, <laughs> he, he might get some snaps, you know, get him by the goal line, running in a little bit. A la Trey Lance last year, but be, before he starts, this that'll mean that you know the season don't went south. Tanny Hill probably playing like how he played in the Dolphins, or what caused him to get traded from the Dolphins. Uh, you know, he'll be playing like that. That's the only scenario I see Malik Willis. Uh, starting this year and that's how it should be for Malik Willis in his rookie year we we kind of figured out what it was going to be you know develop him a little bit let him get behind a, uh you know a veteran quarterback learn the game learn the playbook all the things of that nature so him running with the threes is a lot more like realistic to me yeah, that, that's where I land. And, and like, that's the reason we're talking about snaps versus starts. We're not talking about that with Kenny Pickett. He'll get starts. He'll get a lot of starts, probably. It's most likely, unless Trubisky really turns it around. We're looking at snaps. We're looking at, like, unless... I, I think Lauren points out a good point that, like, maybe in, in Superflex, there's some value to the idea that, like, we have Tannehill, who looked bad last year, and his weapons got worse. Like, there's no doubt that losing A.J. Brown, whatever games you got from Julio Jones, going to Robert Woods, and, like, asthma-inhibited Traylon Burks uh, is on. a downgrade. <laughs> 
it's it's undoubtedly a downgrade and he was already not up to his standards last year there's a very real scenario where like burks just isn't ready and we've seen that already robert woods is who he is a good complimentary piece who probably shouldn't be your one and after that like you're funneling like eight targets game to austin hooper that is not it or nick westbrook Gine, where the offense just completely collapsed i think that's possible but in that scenario malik willis enters a very bad offense you're not awfully excited you're still getting good you know the the good like carries rush attempts and maybe some goal line work from him but you are looking at a very rough passing output from him so i think even in the starts it's on shaky ground at the best and really for this offense if you have any pieces that aren't the quarterback you, you don't want that by the way mr rising on monday's pod said uh, like the highlight of titans offseason practices so far was ryan Tannehill's connection with austin hooper by the way so uh, because yeah, so the Titans might be down kind of bad right now. And the good thing play. we don't have like like Denny on here. You have like heart palpitations. I don't think I at his age, being unprepared for you to say that, it would like it start tightening up, and the blood wouldn't pump correctly. Because I feel that way, and I'm I'm sort of young and vibrant. Yeah. So you you are Kyle, and uh, but yeah. So Austin Hooper season from the Tennessee again, great stuff from Buck and from John Shipley. You said his name yesterday. is Buck Rising? No, it is. Yeah, he's a he's a very good Titans beat writer as a, a daily radio show in Nashville. I would he, kill for that kind of name. He was dishing the deets on the Titans on our AFC South preview. So check it out. And now check out this conversation on underrated rosters, which, uh, you know... It's weird. That, I, I feel like that sounds I'm, like you were cutting to an ad. I know it did. <laughs> and uh, did, I, I figured you thought I, I was going to the promo. <laughs> I did. I really did. <laughs> so you started relaxing. Yes. You thought I'm going to read a promo. Uh, this is no promo. This is a promo for our talk. And we're going to talk underrated rosters. And one of my observations is like underrated roster talk has kind of become like sleepers in fantasy football where there's really like no such thing anymore since we just start talking about the next season, like the day after the Super Bowl. And at least our little bubble, you know, we've been talking about like the Lions for months now. And we've been talking about kind of the Dolphins for months now. Um, we're going to go through whether these uh, – so spoiler alert, those are two of the underrated rosters we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll start with Lawrence, who did nominate the Lions. I recently did our fantasy preview on the Lions. And, Lawrence, what is the case, the opening case for the Lions being an underrated roster, Lawrence? It, despite, you know, Jared Goff finishing last year's quarterback 24 in fantasy, you know, they were able to produce, you know, top tier talent at the skill positions in Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, all of those guys who, uh, all of those guys who missed some games last year in Amon Ross St. Brown's case, it took him a while to, you know, start to being a starter regularly. Um, but, you know, they got playmakers, simple as that. You know, I heard you too. I, I read that preview, Pat, you did uh, on the Lions, and you spoke of, uh, <laughs> yeah, you spoke of uh, DeAndre Swift's uh, upside and him being able to, you know, get up there to that top five range if uh, ev everything works out. And that's definitely within uh, the realm of possibility just seen his last season, you know, RB11 on a points per game basis. We're talking uh, PPR here. Uh, he missed some games, but we saw that when he did play, he was very effective. And coming into year three for him, it, it's his time to shine now. You know, hopefully he get a clean bill of health. You got a Monroe on the outside. Now they did bring in DJ Chark. 
drafted James Williams, but we don't know uh, when he'll return. Listen, at the end of the day, Amara St. Brown, 119 targets, 90 catches, 900, over 900 yards and five touchdowns. Zero drops. Yeah, you you just don't – like, and he's young. Like, you, you're going to tell me that that kid's going to get worse? No, I don't buy that. They brought in Jamison Williams to make the passing game even better. That's not to, you know, not because they didn't feel like Amon Ra didn't perform. Uh, He very much did that, you know, finishing as a wide receiver 21, despite the fact he was not starting consistently until week 12. So, and then you got TJ Hawkinson, another guy who's going to finish inside the top 10 as far as the tight ends go. Not that saying that's much at the tight end position, but he's going to give it to you consistently. He started out the season real good, suffered the injury, but still was able to uh, give you a top six production on a points per game basis. So, you know, they're, the name, they're the Lions. So we we hear we, the Lions always we laugh. We going to laugh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then they got Jared Goff at quarterback, and, just, and like I say, Despite all these finishes for these skill players, Jared Goff was quarterback 24. But you so that at least you know you could still get top finishes out of these guys, even if Jared Goff ain't the quarterback five. I mean, he's done it before on the Rams, so he somehow you know produces these top tier, you know, fantasy talents, but he himself is never a top quarterback. So I could find some solace in knowing that. And, you know, definitely you you could get a Lions player at each position this year, man. Before Kyle talks, I was going to say Lawrence with a subtle flex showing he was one of the two staff members who knows how to read. when he's <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Lawrence, can you read it to me? I know how to listen. <laughs> we won't reveal who the second staff member who can read is. My reading skills ain't as good when I'm reading about the Lions. But they <laughs> so, uh, Kyle, what, what are your thoughts on the Lions roster? Yeah, you know, I'm not saying you should go out here and just stack up Lions in your home drafts where some guy is like, I'm going to take Garrett Wilson the first round because I like Ohio State and I'm a Jets fan. Like, in softer drafts, you probably don't need to stack up the Lions. Like, I think a lot of what we're doing in finding these underrated offenses is trying to find places where, like, modestly sharp ADP doesn't mismatch or mismatches production. And, yeah, like, the Lions aren't great. But, like, Jared Goff, an underdog, goes as quarterback 25. And as Lauren said, he was quarterback 24 last year. He missed a few games. He was quarterback 23 in terms of points per game. And you look at what he closed out the season on. That team was outside of Goff, who's fine. He's probably, you know, he's a starting caliber quarterback and a good offensive line, entirely bereft of talent outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. They were funneling all of their offense to a single rookie wide receiver playing like slot. You add in DJ Chark later in the season, possibly add in Jamison Williams. They didn't have TJ Hawkinson down the stretch. They didn't have DeAndre Swift down the stretch. The team was terrible. And you add in all of these players and you don't think he can do about what he did last year a little more and you're finding some value, especially in like super flex drafts or in, you know, uh, in best ball drafts where you are not getting to pick up a streaming quarterback. You're stuck with who you get at the beginning of the season. Yeah. These are like the types of players. Like we talk about him. I'll talk about Mac Jones later where I don't think they're great. I don't think they get a ton of great finishes, but assuming health, which for the most part quarterback is kind of easy to assume they will probably outproduce their ADP. And they're so cheap. The entire Lions offense outside of like a DeAndre Swift is so cheap to acquire for the relative production they offer. The offensive line is incredible too. One of the best offensive lines, one of the best tackle duos in uh, in Penny Sewell on the, on the right side and uh, uh, Taylor Decker on the left side. And Frank Ragnow, incredible center as well. So they have a great line. They have great weapons. 
and a competent quarterback. I don't think he's great, but if you had just a competent quarterback with really good weapons around him, I think that should easily outproduce like, you know, being one of the, the lowest drafted teams as a whole in any like of the entire NFL for fantasy purposes. I think what it boils down to is that we will, I think we still won't get spiked weeks from Jared Goff, but that spiked weeks from the individual pass catchers are a very real possibility as Lawrence hinted. I mean, LA Jared Goff did produce spiked weeks for his pass catchers all the time. And, you know, Sean McVay was probably mostly responsible for that, but it's kind of underreported. Anybody hear about this? Anybody have followed this where 28 minutes in that's, that's the over actually that's the over by a lot. After Dan Campbell took over as the play caller last week, nine, he actually like his focus was like sparking the downfield passing attack. And he did so with Josh Reynolds who they had claimed off waivers. So I thought it was at least promising the Dan Campbell was like, yeah, we, we have to try to pass down the, even I know it's Jared Goff, but we have to try to design some offense down the field. And Josh Reynolds is actually still on the roster, but it's going to be a whole lot easier to do with DJ shark, uh, Jamison Williams, when he's back and Amon Ross St. Brown, where I think that does increase like the weekly ceiling of the offense, even if the floor is still very low um, I, on Amon Ross St. Brown, I will say I mean, there's a, I agree with Lauren. It was a guy who does that as a fourth round rookie. He's not going to get worse. But there is a big difference in competing for targets with Jamison Williams and DJ Shark compared to Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. So I don't know if we'll just see like the truly like insane prodigious volume we yeah, saw. But and as I mentioned last year, he finishes uh wide receiver 21. I actually have him ranked lower this year for that reason, you know, just you know, Swift being available, Hawkinson being available adding in DJ chart. So those types of things, maybe give them a little, uh, you know, a little bump, not bump, the opposite of bump a little bit. So, you know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you can bump in the wrong direction. I, I do yeah. like Dan Campbell too. I don't, I wouldn't want him coaching my favorite team if I had a favorite team, but like he's hyper aggressive yeah. on fourth down when he took over play calling. You said they tried to push the ball downfield a little more and they were incredible against the spread, right? His team was motivated and playing hard throughout the entire season. They weren't this like, urban meyer mess where you know outside of an awesome yeah they went three five and one down the stretch after not terrible they're not a disaster they're competently landing the plane of tanking for like 2023 yeah i was gonna say that's what i still think like a lot of the 2022 lions hype is misplaced where i think their win total is usually at six and a half and i still they got better at a lot of individual positions in offense but I mean, really the only addition on defense with Aiden Hutchinson, and that's a big addition, but they basically need him to be like Chase Young. You know, They like need him Nick- to play like corner as well. Yeah. They need him to be two people, and one of those people has to play corner. They need him to make like a Chase Young or like Nick Bosa type impact as a 100%. rookie, which just is not the norm for that to like really turn around this defense. And at the end of the day, it's still Jared Goff. And I still feel more comfortable with the under of six and a half. Oh, yeah, we, we we with you on that under there. I'm with you there. But, yeah, so the roster, though, is it, Kyle, right? It's, it's beginning to come into form for 2023 and 2024. And, like, very quickly – well, Lawrence is right for proposing this team. They're very quickly n- nearing the territory where we talk about the Lions as a team that's only a quarterback away, basically. They're, they're, they're definitely trending in that direction. They're not a quarterback away for 2022, but they are trending in that direction. And, by the way – they if they have no alternative to Jared Goff. It's Tim Boyle still as the number two. And he was a little better than I thought he would be when he got on the field last year, but he is still one of the worst quarterbacks on an NFL roster. 
So do, do you do the like ranking every quarterback situation? Uh, I used to in the past. I didn't last summer for reasons I really don't understand. I kind of just ran out of time. Okay. <laughs> but the, the, when you talk about Tim Boyle as a backup, that's exactly who I think of as like Jared Goff isn't the worst starting quarterback. I don't think Tim Boyle's up yeah. there for worst backups. He's real bad. And so yeah. Kyle, I was I was trying to do another ridiculous sieg, <laughs> but uh, uh, who, who's the team? Who is your underrated roster for twenty? I love the Pats. The Pats are like a legitimate good team. We don't have to talk about them sort of cagey in the way that like I like the Lions as a spry team to pull off some upsets. The Pats are an incredibly good team, both in on-field success but efficiency. They're like a really sneakily good offense last year. Eleventh in drop back EPA, seventh in rush EPA, and almost the exact same same thing in DVOA. Their offensive line, PFF ranked as the seventh best offensive line heading into 2022. And the biggest turnover will be inserting a first round pick and Cole Strange into the offensive line. If you're going to have turnover, better that than, you know, some two million year free agent, right? I don't know if you want to call him. He's a first round pick technically. So like, what was it like McVay and their GM were like, we don't yeah. like get him in the fourth round. So I, I have to be uh, candid with that, that I don't know if I would have taken him in the first round. But overall, it's not a lot of turnover for an offensive line that was good last year, and the turnover could be a lot worse. And then their receivers are all good. They're sort of in the way we talk about the Lions. Maybe don't have a star, right, a true stud, but they're all good. Kendrick Bourne was 14th in yards per route run last year. Jacoby Myers has been incredible in, like, target share and air yard share, just controlling an offense that you kind of wouldn't expect him to come out of nowhere and control. And they're so cheap. I mean, Jacoby Myers was the wide receiver 33 and half PPR last year. He's going as the wide receiver 62 on underdog. I get it. Devontae Parker comes in. He takes some targets away. Maybe Tyquan Thornton comes in and takes some targets away. The discrepancy between those two things is to me almost unbelievable how far we're straying from actually finding points. I get it. I don't feel like Jacoby Myers has a great ceiling, right? I don't see him going out and doing something incredible this year, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, right? In fact, he may score zero touchdowns, as has been his MO. But the difference between his ADP and the points we can reasonably expect him to put up is pretty just unbelievable to me. Mac Jones has the same thing going for him. He's the QB 18 in points last year. That's not great. It's not going to win your league. But at the cost of QB 24, knowing that he was a rookie last year, coming into his second season, now getting multiple wide receiver upgrades, yeah, I think he should be at least able to outproduce QB 18 numbers, let alone his actual price, which is QB 24. And I find this like entire up and down the depth chart, right? Jonu Smith was one of the best tight ends in yards per route run last year, misused, but he's free. He is like literally free. He goes undrafted in plenty of leagues, especially your smaller leagues. If you need a third tight end in best ball, I'm totally fine taking an efficient not often used Jonu Smith if I already have Mac Jones on the roster. So to me, this is just a team that is unexciting, but they put up points and that's how even, you know, obviously they had Tom Brady, but even when the rosters outside of Tom Brady were pretty bereft of talent, they still put up points and I still expect them to put up points this year and no one wants to draft them. It's disgusting to draft them and they're going to outproduce their ADP multiple players across the board at multiple positions. Lawrence Patriots. Yeah. Um, Seeing as how I just talked about the Lions, um, that's that's who I used to compare them to. It's from a fantasy perspective. Like Kyle said, they're a good football team. They was in the playoffs. What he also said is they're not as exciting. And, and that's where I'm going to go with. He also mentioned Jonu Smith being misused. And I hate that so much because I probably would feel different about this because I love me some Jonu Smith. Please use him, right? All uh, red-blooded Americans should love Jonu Smith. <laughs> you know, Jonu Smith uh, has one like lineup as a fullback and runs 80 yards for a touchdown, and he becomes like a, a right, national right, fantasy right, right. icon. 
Right, right, exactly. He he did that once on the Titans because they're a good football team and knowing exactly what they want to do, which is uh run the ball. That made me that make me uh scared of them. Now, um, now Jacoby Myers being drafted at wide receiver sixty two that is crazy because obviously that's gonna be the 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 first and probably for me the only receiver I draft. I don't I don't I don't need no parts of Devontae Parker. I don't need that. In fact, I'd rather take a flyer on a uh, Tyquan Thornton, him and that speed. Um, but yeah, Patriots, you you we'd expect them to be winning more games than a team like the Lions. Um, they don't got the you know the receiver talent, not in my opinion, over a team like the Lions. Um, they want to run that ball, and you don't know who it's gonna be with. Right now, we assume it's you know Damian Harris, but with them things change. And speaking of running the ball, you know now they got they, hell. They don't even know who's gonna be calling their plays right now. And if it's Matt Patricia, we just gonna be laughing. Um, and you know, that, that, that just made me scary. Then, you know, last year, you know, they were ranked 25th in pass attempts. Um, so I would actually, I, I want to get your, your opinion on this too, Kyle, who would you, I would take golf over Mac Jones. Who? I'll take Mac Jones. You take me. He's better by a lot. As a quarterback. I, 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 I do think he better. I, he's definitely better than uh, than Jared Goff. I think I would take Mac because I think the floor will be a little higher. I actually do think Jared Goff will have more spiked weeks, but I think like Mac Jones, almost every week I can count on 220 yards and like one to two touchdowns. Or Jared Goff, you're going to get like the occasional like 147 yard game with like zero <laughs> oh, touchdowns. Oh yeah, you, you will 100% get that. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'd rather have a team like the Lions' weapons uh, over the Patriots' weapons, even though Matt Jones is better than, than than Jared Goff. I will agree with that. But if we expect them to be winning games, you know, you know what they'll do. with they, they don't even have to be winning the game. The game in Buffalo where Matt Jones threw it 2.5 times in the game, you know, did they win that game? They did. They won that game, right? Yeah. They, they won that game. Yeah. So, like, they just going to get it how they live. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would still, you know, I would tinker with Damian Williams, definitely, and Jacoby Myers. Um, just not something I'd be uh, crazy. Like, I don't expect them to do nothing crazy at the end of the day. I, will, I think Kyle kind of hit on this point where – I find like the overall Patriots narrative, like kind of confusing. Like they did have a lot of key losses in free agency, but the Patriots have like a lot of key losses in free agency every year. Like one, that's key the plan. That's how you, that's yeah. how you farm up comp picks. Yeah. One free, one key loss they did not have was Bill Belichick. And I just still, every time I think about like warped Patriots narratives, I think back to this Ben Volan tweet from after they lost in the wild card round and Ben Volan for the Boston globe. This is what he tweeted after they lost the bills. Patriots end their season at 10 and eight and a blowout loss in the playoffs. Just an awful ending the season, which raises questions about Belichick and Mac. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, you're talking about a team that just made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe like zoom out a little bit. And I feel like that perspective is pretty pervasive on the Patriots. Like, or like on like the, the downhill of the Belichick era. I'm like, well, he did just handpick a quarterback and immediately make the playoffs again. 
Um, yeah, and it wasn't this elite prospect. He he played the draft well. <laughs> let Mac Jones fall uh, to him. They, they they deserve credit for that, man. Like, listen, even yeah. though the Patriots did split the series with him, I don't think any of us were surprised one that the Bills won, and two how it happened. I don't think we were shot. Like, Bills are ready to go, you know. So yeah, rookie quarterback. I just think people wanted so badly to believe like the Patriots tide is finally turning. And I just don't see like a ton of evidence for that. Like maybe there's not a ton of evidence. They're going to be at the top of the AFC for a while, but like, they're just going to be like a pesky, like in that four to seven seed range. I feel like for the foreseeable future. Yeah. They remind me of the way like Pittsburgh was when Pittsburgh had to play against Brady and Manning, like every single year, Pittsburgh was clearly like a top three or four team in the AFC. But Ben Roethlisberger wasn't Manning, he wasn't Brady. And that's okay because you still make the playoffs almost every year for like a decade. They might have made every, like every year for a decade. And some of those times you run hot and win the Super Bowl. A lot of those times Manning or Brady knock you off and, and Brady goes a lot. That'll be your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen, where, yeah, I don't, it's probably unlikely that Mac Jones ever ascends that height, but it's also very unlikely this team ever falls below like nine wins. They will be in the playoffs every year and you just need one good run to make it through the playoffs to the Super Bowl. And uh, we know that's like very capable of this team having a good quarterback still. And obviously like one of the best coach, the best coach of all time, not even close actually. Yeah. The Mac Jones Super Bowl victory is going to be a very painful moment for yeah. this country. It will for me. Especially I don't know if- since you're about to talk about one of the teams, why the Patriots will start to falter here soon. Yeah, I think a Mac Jones Super Bowl will be what finally breaks America's back. We won't be able to go on as a country. We've been humming along perfectly until now. <laughs> that's, but that's that one will get us. That's what's going to break our back. Our and we'll be right back after this. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, to go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball, on the PGA Tour, and on the NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Now we're to my team, and it's also one of Lawrence's teams, the Dolphins, where I talk about the Lions, like maybe being a quarterback away soon. I think you could characterize the Dolphins as probably already a quarterback away. And the good news for the Dolphins is they might have that quarterback on the roster where now there's the point in offense where they're kind of imposing in the skill core. Like they have an imposing skill core. They have a very deep backfield. It'll be annoying for fantasy, but they have a very deep backfield. They have so many different kinds of like, they have a variety of skills in the receiver core and at tight end. I mean, one of the best pat like catch first tight ends, in the NFL where they could be like a really explosive offense of Tua Tagovailoa takes another step forward. And, you know, the defense was really feisty the past few years, but that was a lot about Brian Flores. I think just being like a special defensive mind, but they did retain basically his entire staff. So it could still be a pretty good defense. If not, I still don't know about the Dolphins defensive personnel necessarily, how much of that was the personnel and how much is Brian Flores just being an elite game planner. But yeah, Lawrence, I can toss to you on the Dolphins because you've talked a lot about the Dolphins, but this is a roster like definitely this could be like the team you know, a lot of times we think like a team's one year away, but they arrive early. I feel like the Dolphins could be that kind of team this year. Yeah, and I and I definitely uh, think they will be. You spoke on the defensive personnel. I think it was a you know a mesh of both, like the the players and the scheme on that side of the ball. On offense, you know, 
Mike McDaniels, he he gonna draw it up for Tua, man. A lot of people are uh, you you we already know the narrative. I don't have to get into that, but uh, he's gonna he he's gonna uh, he gonna dial it up for him. He's gonna focus on uh what he does best, and that's pinpoint accuracy. He does that well in the short and in the intermediate game, and just when you think he won't hit you over the top, he will certainly do that. You know, smash route type concepts a wide zone running scheme with the RPO mixed into there. RPO is a big part of uh, Tua's game. It was in college. Uh, They'll get back to that, and they'll base their offensive game plan off that. You got two playmakers right there, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Hill, as we know. You can essentially use those two players in the same way. You could put the eye candy pre-snap, have them both going in motion, shifting, mixing in the RPO there, getting these players the ball in space and just letting them do work. Because like I said before, you know, you get Tyreek Hill the ball, which Tyreek Hill wants the ball as quick as possible. He said that already. You get him the ball uh, near the line of scrimmage, get him the ball anywhere and let him take you to the promised land, just like he did uh, for the Chiefs against the Bills in that playoff game. Let him take you to the promised land because all of those yards going to count for two of his passing yards, and we'll take that. Uh, I feel real good about this team going into the season. Any cold water, Kyle, or just nothing but praise for our Miami Dolphins? I love what Lawrence said about like how to play. Like the RPO was great for him last year. It was one of the things I thought the offense did really well. Is they didn't have a great line, so you get to it to move a little bit. You draw some space, and then you get him open receivers, even if they're not you know thirty yards downfield. Fun stuff. It's often just a guy seven eight yards downfield, but he's open because the defense was drawn in. But through the time of the 49ers, we really haven't seen them run a lot of RPO. That was something they didn't really incorporate to their offense nearly as much. And then we have Mike McDaniel come in, and they immediately signed three running backs and a fullback. So I, you know, anytime you have a new coach come in, there's this push pull between his scheme. If he's getting hired as a coach, is probably good enough to get hired, right? And we think the 49ers scheme is in fact really good. But do we think it's something that is applicable to Tua? And do we think it's applicable to this team that improved their line with Connor Williams, with Tron Armstead on the left side, but still are probably having a mediocre offensive line because it's all pretty big holes with the way Austin Jackson, Liam Eichenberg played last year. Do we think they can execute to run concepts as well with a half-baked offensive line with a quarterback who thrived or at least excelled in the RPO type of stuff that was not what we saw from the 49ers as much? There's this push-pull between the talent and what they can provide the team versus the coach's scheme, which I think we can all agree is very good. And where do they meet in the middle? The fact that we have these running backs, the fullback, and uh, like we basically hear him talk sort of these like hollow comments about like analytics and stuff. I, I think he's going to really try and 49ers it up, and I don't know if this team is built for that. So I'm that's my concern, is that the players won't fit the scheme that well. But the team should have a lot of talent. They've made attempts to improve their offensive line and has undoubtedly improved versus last year. You add Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle in the second. It's very good. Uh, my only concern also is that this team is priced like they should be very good. Whereas we talk about, you know, the, the Lions and Patriots, they're priced like nothing. Whereas like you're still paying a decent amount for Waddle for, for Tyree Kill. So you have to, you cannot have a bad outcome. Whereas like you could have a bad lines outcome for Jared Goff and, and you know, DJ Chark. And the cost just mean, makes it almost not matter, right? It's, it's all upside with very little cost, especially if you can cut these players if it's a redraft league. Whereas that's not the case for the Dolphins. And I think there's still something to be seen on how Tua can execute this scheme. It all comes down to Tua, doesn't it? And it was, it was a bold concept from Chris Greer to finally try to improve his offensive line 
this offseason. There hasn't really been a core tenant of Chris Greer's time running the Dolphins. They seem to just completely ignore the offensive line. So the classic bold strategy, Cotton, they'll see if it pays off. They've been drafting linemen, and they're just not good at it. No, not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very bad. Speaking of very bad, am I right, folks? Transitioning to uh, just talking about we're going to close the show, talking about some skill cores. I think because not just rosters. We were kind of all focused on the skill cores. They might kind of like be deceptively or not even deceptively, just outright thin. And you know, a lot of these, again, will be familiar narratives to a lot of our listeners. But, Lawrence, we'll start with you. I was talking about the Packers and we all know this is a thin skill core, but like, let's put it into words. Like why is the Packers skill core such a concern heading into week one? Well, uh, for starters, you know, anytime you lose one of the top one, two, three receivers in the league, there's going to be some concern there, especially when, you know, Devonta Adams has had such a great rapport with uh, Aaron Rodgers. You got, you got a lot of unproven guys. You got one proven guy, but he on the other side of 30. That's Randall Cobb, who right now, you know. This he, is Sammy Watkins erasure, by the way. Yeah, that, that guy too. Right now, their starting depth chart includes Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins, along with Alan Lazard. And I feel like a lot of people are expecting him to uh, take the leap. At the end of the day, you know, this is why this – so this receiving core – it looks thin right now until somebody shows themselves and starts to produce. Um, and at the end of the day, what, uh, you know, rookies, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubes coming in, they'll have their chance to compete and outplay these veterans and unseat them. They will certainly like you, you like, you know, most of the times the Packers go into all these drafts and they draft everything, but a wide receiver. Well, they've done that now. And they've done it with, with great capital. So those young guys are going to get a chance to play. But, you know, right now it's thin until one of them says, hey, I can produce. But also the Packers, uh, the Packers aren't known to have young rookie receivers perform right away. No. Didn't happen for Devontae Adams. That was like bad didn't, as the Patriots in that regard. Right. Didn't happen for Jordy Nelson. Both of those guys ended up as all pro players. So that's something to work with, too. At the same time, this is still Aaron Rodgers. We talking about back-to-back MVP. He's had a career before Devontae Adams. He helped make Jordy Nelson. So he'll. it's going to be somebody. We just don't know who it is. It's an unusual situation because you don't have that, you know, the, the first year, that in Devontae's year three, he went for just under a thousand yards, and you could start seeing like, oh, he's we, coming. We were talking about him being a bust, you know, <laughs> right, like for right. a, quite then a while. Had, then he had that season in year three, and we're like, he's coming. There's nobody like that on the roster right now. We saw last year, like, oh snap, he he's he's on the. We're just assuming it's Alan Lazard because he been the the longest tenured player. Tight end, Alan Lazard. Yeah, that, that, that's not the way to go. He finishes wide receiver 47. I got him ranked at 46 right now. Same thing because he could be, you know, someone could take his spot or Sammy Watkins or Randall Cobb or whatever. Yeah, just I would say, too, a very good summation of the Packers, Lawrence. And my like quick one-sentence summation, 
I feel like this is not good. Like Aaron Rodgers now is like openly talking about like money and like retirement. Like <laughs> he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know what to say, man. I got a lot of money now, at least. Uh, or he doesn't seem super enthused about his skill core. And it's a totally different situation with the team Kyle's going to talk about where they have a young, really young quarterback. They have a rebuilt skill core with a lot of interesting parts, but is this enough? I'll I'll spoil it. Kyle's going to talk about the chiefs. Kyle with the chiefs. Is this going to be enough with the talent they've added to replace Tyreek Hill? We're like the sum is greater than the whole of its parts, or is it just not going to be a very good skill core? Yeah, I, I find this team super interesting because we know the line should be good. We know Travis Kelsey, even if he is getting older, his ADOT is coming down, it's, it's probably at least a year or two more of being the best tight end or a top three, you know, call him whatever you want. I don't care. Top three tight end in the league. And Mahomes, even last year on a down year, was still very good. He's probably still a top three quarterback. But like he, you think about this receiving room, that's that's the leak. And I thought outside of Kelsey, that's always been part of Mahomes' best attribute was being able to turn basically one wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, into like maybe the best receiver in the NFL, right? You see what he can do with the guys who can go 15, 20 yards downfield, and it's it's unreal, essentially. It's something we've almost never seen. And the guys he has now, I don't know. Maybe it is a, a sum as great in the parts or at least as good, but you look at the average second-round rookie who has appeared in at least one game over the past decade, Averages 60 targets. Mark has had a scantling, has averaged 71 targets per 17 game season to kind of adjust up for his 16 and his injured seasons. Nicole Hardman, 65 targets, uh, again, adjusting up to give him a full 17. So does that mean we're getting 200 targets for Travis Kelsey? Does that mean none of these players are going to pay off their modest ADPs? But I think at that point, you're kind of looking at an offense that is either not as explosive as we want, or at least relative to their cost. And like Juju in 2020 didn't, he, he wasn't it, man. He was like 86 in yards per route run last year. We didn't see much of him, but it was awful. So he much would have Juju been... slander on this website. I, I He's not look, good, but it's fine. 20, you know, 2020 me even was like, guys, you should have seen Juju's 2018 season. We got to keep buying. I feel like a little bit of me is willing to accept that maybe that player is gone. But what I'm trying to say is it is a lot of mid-tier role players and that's something we've never really seen Patrick Mahomes play with before. I think there's a very realistic scenario where Kelsey is still great and Sky Moore breaks out or MBS expands his route tree more. But I do think it's interesting that no one talks about the floor of this offense being like, it just doesn't quite come together for the fact that none of their receivers produce, uh, you know, this year it's possible. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, if you've seen a red money ball, which I know is getting to be a pretty dated reference at this point, but like, the, the, you know, the crux of the book, movie, how to replace Jason Giambi. You can't replace Jason Giambi with just one player. So they rebuilt Jason Giambi's traits with like three or four different players. That's like very much what the Chiefs are trying to do with Tyree Kill. And I, it was really their only choice. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's going to work. Uh, it could very much not work. And it could be kind of like a rare like pause in like the middle of a prime for a true elite quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. It's great that on the show we talk about, you know, us, which of the podcasters know how to read. You're like, have you read Moneyball? I was like, no, but I've seen the movie. So yeah, it's kind of. I just killed the bit. I revealed I can read. <laughs> well, no, you you just said if you have. You could be the, uh, you know, you could have seen it and be like, I hear the book is similar. Uh, I hear this. Yeah, I, when I listen to the audio book, because I, I know symbols, so I know how to press play on a CD player. Those still exist, right? How I listen to an audio book. Yeah, when we're talking about patchwork on this team, it kind of reminds me of maybe what we saw from late uh, late Tom Brady with the Patriots, where like 
you were hoping to get good PPR points out of these players, but it was just far more spread out to make them not nearly as valuable. And it also hurt Brady. We saw him jump to, I don't think his play calling was quite designed for what he could still do, which was everything. But we saw him jump to a team with elite talent and he was as elite as we'd ever seen in the Bucks. And we saw him the year before then, two years before that on the Patriots. He was good, but he wasn't top two, three fantasy quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mahomes ends up being QB four, five, or six, right? If, if Herbert, uh, you know, beats him this year, wouldn't surprise me. If Kyler Murray beats him this year, wouldn't surprise me. Whereas I don't have that same confidence or I don't have that lack of confidence, excuse me, in like Josh Allen. I'd be pretty stunned barring injury if he doesn't finish like top three. I'll finish the show talking about Lawrence's AFC team, the Ravens. Is it fair to that characterization, by the way, Lawrence? You have an NFC team, the Falcons, and you have an AFC team, the Ravens. I, my team is good teams. Yeah, there you go. And no longer a Tampa Bay uh, Lightning fan either, by the way. Yeah, those not good enough. Losers. Not good enough. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of losers. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you could go with that. You could go with that. So I think with the Ravens, like we all know conceptually, it's not a very deep offense, but – Man, like I don't know if when you like dig in, into like dig into it, if you realize like just how dire it really is. We're like kind of like nothing is settled either. We're like we don't even know for sure. Like we're pretty sure J.K. Dobbins is going to be like the, a really good like early down back with the, the lion's share of the work, but he's still a third year player who has only 153 career carries, coming off a torn ACL. Like we're pretty sure Rashad Rashad Bateman will be a good like elevated fill-in number one receiver, but like we don't know that for sure. We do know that behind Rashad Bateman, there is like scarily little in that receiver core, like like truly like scarily little. Like like there it could be like the, we're, like the classic like wind sprint type of offense where you got dudes kind of like like Willie Sneed from a few years ago. You like you got dudes out there like running routes, and that's like all they're doing. They're not threatening the defense in any way, and like. I just wonder about the narrative where I've helped push like the Ravens seem like the easiest, like bounce back team of all time this year. Cause they were so injured last year and there's still a lot of talent and so much like coaching staff firepower, but just that I, the skill core could be enough. I feel like to, de to like derail the project basically. Yeah. Lawrence talk, talk to me about that. Yeah. Ravens. Yeah. So um, I kind of put the, in, We'll talk about the receivers real quick because we know J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, if they come back healthy, they're a formidable duo. You know, a lot of question marks coming into the season with the Ravens receivers outside of Rashad Bateman. Uh, we kind of seen what he could do. Um, and I kind of put them in the same kind of category with, uh, with, with the Packers. Somebody from that receiving core is going to have to shoulder stuff because until then it will be considered – you know, a, a thin group uh, behind Rashad Bateman uh, for, for the team, you know, to take another step, especially in the past game. Receivers like Devin DuVernay and James Prochet will have to step up in, in some capacity. Both of them in, are in uh, year three. Uh, both of them had to step up for the, for, the, uh, for the offense to be its best. I think they will. That's that. That's what'll be needed out of those particular players, and you know, you got you know a guy like Tylon Wallace behind them in the depth chart. Again, these guys are going to get to compete to see who's that wide receiver two on that team, and whichever guys show up, you know, there you have it. Now it'll be good for them in football terms, but I wouldn't be 
obviously rushing to draft the Ravens wide receiver too. We're going to keep that at Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews for now. Yeah, Rashad Bateman, and then just kind of forget about the rest. And Lawrence, by the way, you triggered a thought of me. Were you talking about we need a Ravens receiver to step up? Uh, who do you think is going to step up amongst the NBC Sports Edge staff when we're playing flag football at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio? I think August. it's going to be Kyle. You think it's going to be Kyle? Oh, yeah, let's go. It's be Kyle, actually, yeah. I, I, like, they, they, trying to, they trying to play Kyle right now. Like, he's Slade Bolden. Who's that? Who's another receiver on the Ravens? But I expect him and Kyle to do well and shock the world. I mean, Kyle, I think might have some Braxton Berrios in him. Um, All that. I'm a lunch pail guy. Look, I uh, I know I looked at him in pads. I don't mean lunch pail. I mean like maybe like Jackrabbit quicks. Like where we don't really. <laughs> maybe you're not going to get enough respect for your quicks. Not fast, but quick is how you describe me. Or <laughs> another way to do it would be not fast nor quick. Yeah, I re- so what's the deal with that? Am I going to get to play flag football? I kind of like secretly really, really want to. Can I, Lawrence, can I be on your team? I mean, if it's going down, we got our squad right here. Can I be on your team? Yeah. I want to play. We could do like a, like an anchorman style intro to the flag football where y'all like show up at the park. ready. If it's going down, we got our team right here, man. NBC Sports Edge. Come I think we do. I will say my arm has been mysteriously sore all summer. That's growing right. We were playing quarterback. We weren't trying you out for quarterback. Growing okay. up, I actually used to play quarterback, <laughs> and I had a pretty good arm. And that has been one part of aging. Where like it's like hard for me to throw a football now. Like I did something in my shoulder at some point, and like some days I can still throw, and then other days I'm in like extreme pain. Like I think I need someone to like take a hammer and hit my shoulder and like knock some scar tissue loose or something. Hey man, but, screen game, screen game. <laughs> exactly the screen yeah. game at the fantasy football expo. In mid-August in Canton, Ohio, we're all going to be there. We're all really, really looking forward to it. And we're all we're looking forward to the end of the show. We had a good time, but the show's come to an end. We've got other things to do with our day. And I think we did a good job today. What do you guys think? Good work, yeah, uh, A minus. Good stuff. Lunch pail show? Um, <laughs> we showed up. We did a show. and There's not we... much to talk about, but we always find a lot to talk about. And we also... I was, I was I'm attempting a lot of terrible transitions today. I'm not even going to tell you the one I was about to attempt. But thank you so much for listening to us all year. Thank you so much for listening to us in late June, early July. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, I'll be in for Matt Straub this week. Uh, he's it's nothing to do with lawyers. He's just on vacation. Um, for Lawrence, for Kyle, I am Pat. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later this week.